Good evening, Cathedral. Good evening. And welcome to your midweek service. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of James. And uh, I'm going to be talking to you about evidence of salvation. I know a lot of you are saved. Some of you may have just gotten saved during the Easter services, or some of you probably have been saved for a long time. But we need to see from God, we need to have some evidence, some visible evidence that we are born again and that we are children of God. Because if others don't see it, then we're not showing it. So this series is called How to Be a Christian in a Non-Christian World. And the reason I have the butterfly is because the butterfly is a symbol of metamorphosis or transformation. The caterpillar goes into the cocoon, out of the cocoon, you know it, the butterfly comes. But for us, when we accept Jesus, there needs to be a transformation. Say that with me. There needs to be a transformation. So if there is no transformation in a person's life and they're born-again Christians, then no one's going to want the Christ that they have. But most of the time, we have the information, we know the Word of God, but there isn't a transformation because there's no application of the Word of God. And I'm aware that, um, I don't know anyone specifically, but I'm aware that there has to be a change. How many know what I'm talking about? There has to be a change. Now watch this. How many want God to change you? Okay, see that? Praise God. Give God a hand of praise. So James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. I will show you I'm a Christian by what I do. You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So obviously it's not just belief in Jesus Christ because the demons even knew who he was. So you foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? So what we're driving at tonight, talking about evidence of salvation, is if you are calling yourself a Christian, calling yourself a child of God, there needs to be evidence by what you do, your deeds, your actions. So it's not just telling people. Actually, I have said it's really not necessary for you to have to witness to someone and tell them that you're a Christian. We should live our life in such a way that they see there's a difference and they come and ask you and I, are you one of those Jesus people? Are you a Christian? And that's when you can say yes and you can offer to pray for them. So let's talk about first evidence. When an investigator is looking for evidence, all he wants is the facts. He doesn't want anything that would detract from what he's trying to discover. Evidence. It is defined as a thing or things helpful in forming a conclusion or judgment. Something indicative, an outward sign. You see, many people profess to be Christians, but there is no evidence in their lives to prove it. 
Jesus does not need evidence that we are saved. We do not need evidence that we are saved. We have faith in Jesus. We have faith in his resurrection. Who is it then that needs evidence that you are a Christian? Could it be those that are dead in Christ? We are the ones walking around with new life and are surrounded by the very ones that need this life that we have. What is the evidence provided then by us that Jesus does love? What is the evidence provided by us that Jesus does forgive? What is the evidence provided for us that Jesus does show mercy and restores? If those that are dead in Christ don't see any evidence, they don't know that God is good. They don't know that God loves. They don't know that God forgives. So here we are walking around with salvation, walking around with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and we don't say anything, and we say, it's not my fault they haven't accepted Jesus as their Savior, but it is your fault. Do you know that we in this generation, we will be judged, we will be judged for how many people do not get saved in the generation that we're alive in. And the way things are happening, all the events that are taking place in our world, it's our responsibility to tell people that God is alive. But it's also our responsibility to show them he's alive. No one here wants to stand before the Lord thinking you were saved and find out that you were not. That Jesus would say to you or I, depart from me. I don't even know you. Well, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. And should the Lord say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I never knew you. So how do I know for sure? How do I know for sure that I am a Christian? One of the most common questions people ask me is, how do I know for sure that I am actually saved? Many, many people who are generally sa genuinely saved still struggle with doubting their salvation. And many, many people who are not truly saved believe with all their hearts that they are. There's going to be some shocking evidence on the day of salvation or the day that Jesus comes back when people are not allowed to go into heaven. When Jesus says, I don't know you. And you ask yourself, how could that be? Well, I'm going to explain to you why. Many people who are not truly saved believe with all their hearts that they are. And those are the ones who should be doubting, and they don't have any doubts at all. And if there's one thing in Scripture that is clear, it is that it is possible for you and I to be wrong about your assessment of your own salvation. You should see, from my vantage point, when I give altar calls, how many of the same people come up for every single altar call to get saved? And you wonder, well, what happened between last Wednesday and this Wednesday that could have knocked out your salvation? You don't lose it. God didn't give it to you to take it away. Up, oh, you made a mistake. Sorry, it's gone. Now you got to earn it back. So you don't lose it. But why is it that you and I doubt that we're actually children of God? On judgment day... There will be people who spent their lives serving Jesus Christ, and they will be shocked to hear Jesus say, away from me, I never knew you. And so people ask, how can I know for sure that I'm not one of those? Because if Jesus says, I never knew you, you're not getting into heaven. You are not. And there is no purgatory. The only other place left is hell. 
And how can you think, living in the 21st century, how can you think you're a Christian and then wind up in hell, but you thought you were saved? What happened? What happened to your salvation that was it never made certain? What happened to you? What did you do or what did you not do to make you lose it? I feel every single one of you should know that you know that you know that you know that you know. I am a child of God. I'm a born-again Christian. I am a believer. If anyone asks, there should be no hesitation on our part to say, yes, I am a Christian. Are you one of those Jesus freaks? Yeah, whose freak are you? So yes, I am. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. But there's two kinds of faith. And here's where we start to separate those that think they're saved from those that are saved. When we look at the two kinds of faith, I ask this question. What is it that determines whether you are saved or not? How many would like to know? What if I said, if you buy your pastor a Rolex watch, you will get into heaven? <laughs> because, and I don't want a Rolex watch, but there are those that actually do that. They don't feed the sheep, they fleece the sheep. So what determines whether you are saved or not? The simple answer is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we got that. But that answer by itself is not enough because there are actually two kinds of faith. One kind that can save you and another kind that cannot. Which kind of faith do you have? You want to know? Come back next week and I'll tell you. <laughs> so the answer to the question of whether you are truly saved or not is this. It depends on what kind of faith you have. Arthur McPhee said, the greatest proof of God's love is a life that needs God's love to explain it. Should I repeat it? The greatest proof of God's love is a life that needs God's love to explain it. In other words, someone may say, I knew what, I know what you were before you became a Christian. I know what you did before you started going to church. And I remember you. But there is something about you that's changed. You're not the same anymore. And that's the proof that only God could bring about a change like that in a person's life. So it's not... Um, it's not meditation. It's not a positive mental attitude, although I feel that's necessary. It's not buying your way into heaven by giving as much as you can. It's having the right kind of faith. And if there's two kinds, what kind of faith do I have? We are talking about being a Christian in a non-Christian world. Now, most of us are born again but where we go to school or where we work, there aren't many Christians. There aren't many Christians on your block, on your job, or in your school. And you wonder, well, why does God have me here? Because he wants your light to shine. And light shines brighter when it's the darkest. Some of you go, wait, 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 what are you talking about? <laughs> if... A pinhole of light Ping. can pierce the darkness. Darkness cannot overcome the light. 
the darker it is, if I work with a bunch of people that don't know Christ and are always mocking him, the brighter my light is going to shine. We have a specific purpose for being born again and being on this earth. Notice, you got saved, but God didn't take you home immediately. He left you here. Why? It would have been great to get saved and go right to heaven. But you're still here. Why? Because he has a job for you to do. And being silent is not going to get the job done. Or being one of those undercover Christians... Never letting anyone know to go to, you go to church. Never inviting anyone to church. Never praying for someone else. You start to live that kind of life. You're not really proclaiming that you have Jesus Christ living inside of you. And don't you think for a moment that if God's son, the living son of God was living inside of you, that there would have already been a transformation that was evident to other people. God is living inside of you. So if that light of God is not shining through you, this is what James is writing about when he says, I doubt that you're a Christian. We have been given new life, new understanding, and the Spirit of God abides in our heart. What, I ask, are we to do with such wonderful gifts? For one, we're not to keep them to ourselves, and this is what the Apostle James is referring to. In James 2.18, he says, but someone may well argue, you say the way to God is by faith alone plus nothing. Well, I say that good works are important too, for without good works, you can't prove whether you have faith or not. But anyone can see that I have faith by the way I act. So if you're still getting ticked off, why are you mad, bro? If you're still getting angry, if you're still kicking the door and throwing stuff, if you still got that, like <laughs> nothing's turning out good ever for you, if you're still frustrated, if all you do is complain, in fact, I'm going to read you something. I keep this with me. It says, successful people do less. Successful people do less. Successful people do less complaining, less blaming, less arguing, less bragging, less resenting, less yelling, less interrupting, less taking, less judging, and less lying. Successful people. And there's five things you can control every day. Your attitude. Boy, couldn't we preach a good sermon on that. Your words. Mm-hmm. Everybody say, mm-hmm. Your actions, your manners. Give me that. Well, how about, would you pass me that, please? Thank you. Give me that. Your effort. How oh, do I have to do that again? You see, the world who doesn't know our God needs evidence from us that shows that we belong to God. So, the faith that is being referred to here is your belief in Jesus Christ for salvation. Do the people living in darkness know that Jesus, the author of life, is living inside of you? I tell people, when they say to me, are you a Christian? I go, why are you asking me? Ask my wife. Ask my children. 
Ask my closest associates. Ask him if I'm a Christian. Don't just ask me. You say, I tell them that I am a Christian. Well, the world has no idea what that means. You're a Christian, what's that? The world has no idea in the world what that means. Christians still display anger, jealousy, lust, bitterness, and greed. Christians smoke, Christians drink, Christians go to clubs. So the world without Christ is confused. When he has such faith, he is referring to the kind of faith that claims to exist but does not produce any action. In Romans chapter 6, it says this, that when you are baptized, you are baptized into Jesus Christ. And that when you rise up out of the water, you rise to newness of life. If you look up in the original language, the Greek, what newness means, it doesn't mean recent, like a new shirt. Watch this. It means different from that which it had been formerly. Different from that which it had been formerly. You have to be different from what you were before you accepted Christ. Because if you're still acting like you did before you accepted Christ, how many know you might not be a Christian. Now, watch, no one's going to raise their hand. See? <laughs> you just might not be a Christian. If even for yourself there's no evidence, then why are you still coming to church? Why are you still telling people you're a Christian and they look at you and, mm -hmm, I wonder. So let's answer this question. What is real faith? Real faith is not just something you say. It cannot just be something you say. It cannot just be something you talk about. So we got people that witness to your head falls off, and they haven't led you to Christ. Real faith is not something you feel. You may feel sorry for those who do not know Jesus. You may feel sad for those who are struggling in this world of pain and suffering. But if you don't do anything to assist them, to help alleviate that pain and that feeling of despair, then they're not going to come to Christ. Real faith is just, just not something you think. Some people think of faith as a philosophy. I choose to believe in this, and you believe in that. It is something up in the mind, a belief in certain facts and knowledge. That doesn't change anyone. Real faith is not just something you believe. A lot of people have strong beliefs about Jesus Christ. They have strong beliefs about God, strong beliefs about the Bible. And we hear sometimes people say, I believe in this, and I believe in that. And you believe there is one God good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder with fear. Real faith, real faith is something you do. Not something you say, you feel, you think, or you believe. Real faith is something you are, something you do. And if your behavior has not modified one iota since you became a Christian, do you really think you're saved? So did God fail or did we fail? If there is no change in my attitude or my manners or the way I talk or my giving, am I really a Christian? That's something to think about.
Why haven't I changed? Why haven't I become different? Why am I still complaining? Why am I still critical? Why am I still judgmental? Well, they're all going to hell. I know that for sure. What about you? What is this evidence that people need to see? Real faith is something you do. In other words, you can have it and do nothing about it. You can believe in God and yet live any way you like. And you can believe in the Bible and do not do what God says. There are people who come to church who are living together, having sex together, and are still not married. And think nothing's wrong with it. And they're the most fun-filled Christians at church. They're always happy and they're always holding hands but everyone knows they're living in sin and no one says anything. We need to show interest in others. Say that with me. That's what we have to do. If I was to ask you, church, tonight, do you know someone whose mind, I'm sorry, whose name just came to your mind right now that you know they need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know them, and they know you. Do you know someone that you know needs Jesus Christ? Well, I haven't invited them to church. I haven't asked them if I could pray with them. You need to show interest in others. Why? Because once your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, you're in. But if you haven't told them about Jesus, they're not in. And the sad thing is when you and I get there, they're going to say, I'm not getting to go into heaven, but you never told me. Why? What were you afraid of? Why didn't you never tell me that God loves me too? I thought I was the worst sinner in the world, and you knew God would save me, but why didn't you tell me? And I'm asking you that tonight. Why don't you tell people? You think that they're going to get angry at you? People have gotten angry at us before. What's the big deal? We, we wear our feelings on our sleeves today, and with all the social media of uh, Facebook and Instagram and all those things, everybody's got comments about everything. And we think they may dislike us. Or they may, when we write something, they may not say, I like that. And we get offended from people we don't even see. But who, I've told people this. When you get to heaven and Jesus hugs you, he's going to be looking over your shoulder. And when you say, Lord, what is it you're doing? He goes, well, I'm glad you made it, but who did you bring with you? Who did you bring into my kingdom? I put my love in you. Who did you tell? Is somebody getting this tonight? Who did you tell that I love them also? Because if you're not, if you haven't brought someone to Christ, I am amazed. How many people have been Christians 12 24, 36, 40 years and have never led one person to Christ. A Christian family called me at the church. I, had, I was counseling and I had two more people waiting to see me, one after the other. 
So I was in the midst of three appointments. I couldn't leave. They had waited to talk to me. And this family called and said that their father in the hospital was dying. Would I come and pray the sinner's prayer with him? Now, they were all Christians. I said, I would love to. I just can't go right now. They said, well, he's not going to live very much longer, Pastor. I go, I know, but there's people who have asked to see me, and they, they have needs, and I'm going to pray with them. So I cannot just get up and go to the hospital. And do you know they called me back and said, thanks a lot. My father died, and you didn't lead him to Christ. And I go, but all of you are Christians. Why couldn't you pray the sinner's prayer with your own dad? Thanks a lot, Pastor Mike. And you call yourself a Christian. The Christian faith, it's not about saying, feeling, thinking, or believing. These are not enough. Jesus did not come to give us a set of doctrines. Do this and don't do that. He came to give us a new life. Give him a hand of praise. We must be people who show loving, caring interest in others and stand out as visible representatives of Jesus Christ. We have nothing to be ashamed of. Oh, you're not a Christian, are you? Yes. You're not one of those believers, are you? Yes. Who do you believe in? Oh, don't start witnessing to me. Okay, can I pray for you? So you both have a job at the same place. You both just lost your job. And they're just packing all their things and they're leaving. And they're watching you who are the Christian. And you're carrying your box out to your car. And then you're burning rubber out of the parking lot. And you're kicking stuff and you're breaking glass. And they go, isn't that person the Christian here? You're getting my point. We must be people who show Loving, caring interest in others. A faith not accompanied by action, that is faith alone, having no works to distinguish it, is dead. If it doesn't affect your hands, your feet, and thinking, it isn't Christianity. Faith always works. And what kind of work does it do? The work of love. And you, if you know someone whose name came to your mind, you also know someone that's hard to love. How many know someone that's hard to love? Well, guess what God wants you to do? <laughs> he wants you to do what I had to learn. Pastor Mike's love is hypersensitive, easily offended, easily angered. I can't love you with my love. So I said, Lord, if you put your love in me for that person, I will obey you and I will love them with your love. But please don't have me love with my love because my love's like a big baby and I get all mad and get my feelings hurt. But put your love in me. Who understands what pastor's saying here? Come on. Give me love. Show me what you see when I see that homeless person that has no food. Show me what your eyes see, Lord, when I see that woman that's a single parent and she's pregnant again and I know she's not married. Show me love for her, not condemnation. Let me go over there when the baby comes and take food and help her. Show me love for that person 
whose wife just walked out on him or that husband uh, or that woman whose husband just walked out on her. Show me love for that person who I know just lost their car in a major accident and there's no father in the home and they have no money to get another car. All you have to do is ask God, where are the needs that are close to me that, of people that you want me to help? But give me your resources, God. Put your love in me. Put your resources in me or give me what you want me to give them. If God told you to give someone money and you went up and gave them the Pentecostal handshake and just said, I don't know who it is, but they told me to give this to you and you just put that money in their hand and they look at it and it's the exact amount that they need and they start crying and they look at you and they say, who gave it to you? And you go, I don't know who they are, but it was you. Well, that's lying. That isn't lying. Come on. That's not wanting to get recognition. I'll do it. I don't care who gets the credit as long as he gets the glory. That's what that is. That's what that is. So it's you starting tonight, tomorrow, to show love to someone that's hard to love. If you can't do that, there's no excuse. You have to ask God, give me love for that person. Anything with life produces fruit. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God formed the first human being by breathing life into his body. And the union of spirit and body produced a living human being. In death, that spirit returns to God and the body decays into dust. A body without the spirit is a corpse. In the same way, faith without works is also dead. A person claiming to have faith but lacking works is spiritually as lifeless as a corpse. An inactive faith entombed in a creed affirmed by the intellect has no more usefulness than a body with no heartbeat or breath. You call yourself a Christian, a child of God, but where is the evidence? If God so loved you, you need to so love that other person, especially if they're hard to love. And we all know someone like that. The living are the acting, creating things that reveal their nature and character. If faith in Jesus produces actions, revealing the character and the nature of Jesus. We're not little Jesuses running around. We're just like our heavenly father. He lives inside of us. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We have to start doing this, church. Because should the world end tonight, should it end this week, should Russia send a nuclear bomb to the United States, you are no more. You're going to have to go somewhere, either heaven or hell. And if I ask how many want to go to heaven, every hand's going to go up. But if I said how many are going to heaven, because you know what you're really like. The dead, they lie still doing nothing. So faith that lies still inactive proves it is dead. True faith brings salvation and life, not death. Christians should show works of love to prove their faith is real. And a person must believe in God to be a Christian, but not everyone who acknowledges the existence of God has made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Even demons believe in the existence of one God. They shudder at the fear of the very thought of God. 
and the behavior of demons demonstrated that someone can believe the right thing and still have an evil character. <coughs> Excuse me. This concerns intellectual faith, a faith that touches only the mind. Saving faith involves the will as well as the intellect. So Christianity is not just Christ in you, but Christ living his life through you. Give God a hand of praise. So now I'm going to ask you, if you feel it necessary, to get up out of that seat and come up to the front, kneel down, and recommit your life to Jesus. But ask him for his grace and his Holy Spirit to empower you to begin to show the same love he's given to you to show to others. If Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in front of my heavenly angel, in front of people who go to church with you, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my angels in heaven. So come up here, kneel down, ask God for his grace. Ask him for his Holy Spirit so you can start showing love. Go ahead. Is Lucy with you? Do you have a song to sing? I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus, blessed altar tonight or maybe you're still on your seat or you're on your your laptop in your living room or in Starbucks pray this prayer with me Heavenly Father I come to you I need a Savior I am here Lord asking for your grace for your power for the influence of the Holy Spirit in my life Lord, please forgive me and thank you for healing me. Thank you for the freedom. I come, Lord God, to recommit my life to you, to surrender myself to you, to believe that your grace will see me through, to thank you for the love of your son on the cross. I choose tonight, Jesus. I choose tonight, Jesus, for my life. I choose tonight, Jesus, for my attitude. I choose tonight, Jesus, that I may live 
a life that's reflective of Jesus Christ being in my life. That my faith will be in an influence to other people. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your life. As I'm committed to you, I know I'm saved, and I will live, Jesus, a life that reflects your love in me. And I thank you for it by your grace. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Will you stand with me? When we come and we've recommitted our life, our life to Jesus for his life that he gave unto us, when we ask for the forgiveness, we get it. When we ask for his grace, we get it. And so when we know that we have the grace of God, and we have the forgiveness of God, and we have the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, there's a certain way that we need to respond to that. You show me how. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your hope and your healing. I am a child of God. Say that with me. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. May the Lord God bless you and keep you, and may his life shine upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we'll see you next week. Good night. Amen.